All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's good to have everybody here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in our Lawrenceburg campus, everybody at our Shoals campus, everybody watching online. It's so good to have you wherever you're watching from. If you're in the house or watching it online, man, thanks so much for tuning in. Come on, we say it every week. We believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Come on, let's give God some praises for a minute. Hey, two things real quick before I jump into the message today. We started something when I first got here 11 years ago. The church was growing. New people were coming in. And we started something called Take Five. We're literally, it's just five minutes. If you are new to Faith Church or newer to Faith Church, it would be an opportunity for you just not to be a face in the crowd, but it'd be a place where I could shake your hand, maybe get to know your name. You can meet just a handful of staff. And it's just five minutes. So if you are new or newer here, we are starting this back up. We know that some people want a personal touch and not everything digital. So directly following this service, and we'll do this about once a month, Directly following this service at all of our campuses, there is a spot here in the Florence campus. It's out to the left when you walk out. There's a little room. If you're new here, man, come and just hang out. Literally five minutes. Just want to meet you, shake your hand, and just give you just a quick overview of who we are. If you're looking for a new church, come and just hear just a, just a quick snippet. Again, we look forward to it. Also, next week, we're starting a brand new series entitled Fight Club. Every February, typically, we'll do some, something on relationships and just feel very inspired that there are some things in your life you should be fighting for. And I have found that sometimes we tend to put too much energy in the things that don't matter and not enough energy in the things that do. And so through this series, I want to challenge you to fight for some things in your life that matter, to know what it means to fight and what it looks like to fight, to fight for your family, to fight for your faith. So this is a great series for you to invite some friends and family to get them here. It's going to be very practical, very relevant to help all of us go to another level and experience all that God has for us. So make sure you're here and bring somebody with you. All right, well, we are in the final week of a series we started a few weeks ago entitled Habits, and the whole conversation is that there are things that God wants to develop in our life. There are spiritual disciplines that help us move and to grow forward in the things that God has for us. We talked about that as God wants us to get into his word, to get our spiritual nutrition, to read the Bible. We talked about building the spiritual discipline of prayer, the spiritual discipline of fasting, and today we're going to end this series, but... Uh, about five years ago, I think it's been about that long, we went through this phase, my wife and I, and maybe some of you have experienced this, where I think three, four, five times we found out that money was missing from our account. Someone had, I'll be honest, I thought Shauna was out shopping and didn't want to own it. I'll be honest, I thought that's not that she would do that, mind you. But anyways, found out that somehow people had gotten our debit card information and was shopping on us, evidently. And every time it happened, man, it's kind of ticked me off. The last time it happened, finally, we switched to using a credit card instead of a debit card was a smart move. But I remember the last time it happened, they were shopping, maybe Amazon, I don't remember, but they were shopping online and our bank was able to tell us, hey, we, we, know, we know where the people are at who are using their car because they're shopping at home. And I'm like, let's go. Like, what are we waiting for? Regulators, mount up. <laughs> I just wanted to tell them about Jesus, that's all. You know, but it's funny when somebody takes your stuff, when somebody steals from you, it's very personal. At least for me, it's very offensive. It's, we still had money in the bank. Our bills were paid. The money that was taken got put back. It really wasn't about the amount. It was just about how it made me feel violated and how dare somebody take something of mine that doesn't belong to them. Now, here's the thing is, I know how it makes me feel when somebody steals from me. 
How does it make you feel when somebody steals from you? I imagine I'm not the only one, probably at all of our campuses, you've had your identity sold and somebody's taken maybe uh, not digitally, but someone has stole something from you, taken something out of your house or out of your yard. When someone steals from us, again, it's very personal. It makes us feel very violated. The question I want to dig in today is this question right here. How do you think God feels when we steal from him? And hush falls over the crowd. Now, I know people are like, pastor, pump the brakes. What are you talking about? I would never steal from God. I don't even know what it means to steal from God. Well, I want us to lean into this conversation. And I just want to say this on the front end. We're going to have a conversation on the conversation of giving. And I recognize that sometimes outside of the four walls of the church, we're told by culture and community that, hey, you can talk about anything you want, but never, we should never talk to our friends about what two things? Money, Money and politics. Well, you all talk about politics all the time. Uh, I'm sorry, religion and politics. You talk about politics all the time. I think you should talk about religion because people need to hear about the Jesus who loves them and who, who, uh, who died to save them. And it's on us, man, to pass on the hope of the world. Amen? And so there's no taboo subject outside of the walls. And we live in a place as the church where we want to hear truth. I just want you to know there is no taboo subject for me. We're going to do a deep dive into this conversation. And I just want you to know my mission today is if you are at any of our campuses and you call Faith Church home, or even if you don't, but if you consider yourself a Christ follower, if you are not currently a tither and a giver, my job and my mission is to inspire you and challenge you and show you what God's word says, that you walk out and decide to live at a whole nother level of generosity. And if you're here and you're already a tither and a giver, you're like, pastor, like, don't, don't sleep on me today. Like, what I want you to do is I want you to be inspired and reminded of why you give what you give. Because I have found a lot of times in our spiritual journey, when we're doing the right thing, sometimes it just becomes out of habit and you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. It become religion. So if you're not giving, I want to inspire you and challenge you to be a tither. If you are tithing, I want you to leave out inspired and reminded of why you're doing what you're doing. So there's a conversation I want us to lean into. It's found in the book of Malachi. And he has this conversation about his people stealing from him. And he says this, Malachi chapter three, verse seven, every voice at all of our campuses, let's read this together. God says through the prophet Malachi, now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Now, this conversation that God is having with his people through the prophet Malachi, to me, it's reminiscent. And some of you, man, you can relate to this, husbands. Husbands, have you ever felt like, and don't raise your hand, have you ever felt like you're in a good place with your wife, like relationships great, and then your wife says, hey, we need to talk. And like, hey, you don't spend enough time with me. I feel ignored. I feel whatever. Like men, like there's this blind spot sometimes that we have in relationships and we need somebody to bring it up to us. This is the conversation that God is having with his people. He says, hey, we're not as close as you think we are. Like the fact is that I'm telling you not close. We're like, the response is, what do you mean we're not close? I've never moved. God says, hey, there's a blind spot. The blind spot we're going to talk about today is generosity and giving. He goes on, he says this, next verse. He says, should people cheat God? That's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? No. no. Should people cheat God? Absolutely not. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings. Everybody say, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings that are due me. Now, again, this is a big conversation, and there's a lot of reasons biblically and scripturally that if you consider yourself a Christ follower, you should lean into this information and allow God to grow you 
in this spiritual discipline. Now, I'm going to give you a couple just real quick, and I'm not going to get into these. I'm just going to get into the last one. A couple of thoughts. Giving is a practical issue. You don't even have to love Jesus. I have people tell me this from time to time, and I'm kind of flattered by it and kind of offended at the same time. I'm not sure how I should feel, but people will come and say something like this to me from time to time. Oftentimes, it's a guy. Hey, pastor, man, it's, uh, we've been coming to the church for you know, four months, and uh, I don't really want to come to church, but my wife kind of bullied me or talked me into or said I had to come. And like, so I'm here, and I just want you to know, like, I'm not really serving God right now, but I think you're funny, and I don't fall asleep when you preach like at other churches. And I'm like, thanks, I guess. And I just want you to know, if you're that person, guy or girl, like you're not even sure if you're a believer, you're not even sure if you're a Christian, you're not even sure you believe in God, but you love this place, your family loves this place. I just want you to know that giving is a practical issue. Question, do you want your church to thrive? Because at the end of the day, it takes money to make ministry happen. If you don't even love God, but you just love being here, you love the environment, your kids love it here, I want you to know something, that it takes money to heat this building in the winter, cool this building in the summer, takes money to put a roof over our heads, take money to make ministry happen. And here's the promise. The more money we have, the more ministry we can do, and the more people that can hear about this Jesus that loves us and gave his best for us. It's just practical to give. If you attend here, you need to support here. Number two thing real quick, giving is a generosity issue. God is trying to work in us. I want you to know this. You are born greedy. I know your mama told you you're beautiful. All of us as little kids were greedy. Some of the first words we learn is mine. And as a Christ follower, I want you to do this. You got to ask yourself a question. Do I want to reflect my Savior? One of the best ways you can grow in reflecting your Savior, Jesus, is reflecting who he was and how he lived. And Jesus was incredibly generous. He gave of his time. He gave of his ability. And ultimately, he gave his life for us as a ransom for many. Come on, is anybody thankful for that? And so you are like Jesus when you walk in generosity. Here's another reason you should walk in this is giving is a faith issue. Because as you give, sometimes you'll wrestle with like, I can't afford to give. If I give this, I don't know if I can pay the bills. If I give this, I don't know if I can make it through the week. And so this challenge that some of you realistically wrestle with is you've told yourself you can't when faith says you can Here's why is because as you walk in the gift and as you walk in the calling of being a tither and a giver, it opens you up to really walk and grow in faith that I can trust God, that it's not this economy that's my provider. It's not my job that's my provider. It's not who's in political office that's my provider. God is bigger than anything that's happening in the economy and God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider, and I can trust him. And you'll never find out how faithful God can be until you put yourself in a faith position of being a tither and a giver. Giving, watch this, is an obedience issue. How many people want to be obedient to the word? I want to submit to the word. Luke chapter 7 verse 38 says this, one word, give. Everybody shout give. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Give. So if you want to be obedient to what God calls us to, which is what all of us should want as Christ followers, one of the areas you have to bring your heart and life under submission is to the area of tithing and giving. Giving is a management issue. Did you know that? The Bible says everything you have isn't yours, it's his. Psalm says it this way, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's his boat, it's his house, it's his money, it's his bank account. He has called us just to be stewards. We manage for him what he's put in our care. And here's a beautiful principle that I won't get into today, but I just want you to hear it. God said, Jesus said this, he said, he who's faithful and little 
I'll make ruler over much. So God says, if you'll manage well what I've given you, not just money, but influence, favor, God says, if you'll manage the little bit I give you, you've demonstrated to me, I can trust you with more, so I'll give you more. So if you manage resources well by doing it God's way of being givers and tithers, it sets you up for more. Everybody shout more. Anybody want more? Be a tither and be a giver. Then he says this, here's one. Giving is an eternal issue. It's an eternal issue. Now, if you never give, you're like, I'm out. You can go to heaven and never give a penny because you don't go, uh, you won't spend eternity with Jesus based on what you've done. You'll spend eternity based on what God has done. So if you give a million dollars, you can still go to hell. And you can give nothing and go to heaven because it's based on what Jesus has done, not what you've done. But if you're going to be a Christ follower, it is an eternal issue because we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged, not for our sin. Jesus was judged for our sin on the cross, but we will be judged and it will affect how you experience eternity. You're going to be judged based on the words you use. You're going to be judged based on your actions. You're going to be judged based on your thoughts. And we're going to be judged based on how we stewarded, how we spend, and how we use the resources God gave us. And when you give and tithe, you are storing up treasure in heaven. If you've got a 401k, that's smart. But we're going to be in eternity far longer than you're going to be in retirement. Let's get something on the other side. Go ahead. Here's where I want to go today. Again, there's just, I'm just trying to give you just some overview. If you're here like, I don't know about giving, there's lots of reasons biblically you should be a giver and a tither. And at the end of the day, giving is an honor issue. Do you want to honor the Lord in your life? Malachi, the conversation that he has that we've started, Malachi is making tithing an honor issue. It's an honor issue. Do you honor the Lord in your life? Do you want him first in your life? If you're like, yeah, I want him first, but I'm out on giving. I want you to hear this. God cannot be first in your life if he's not first in your finances. Let me say that again. God cannot be first in your life if he's not first in your finances. That's not my opinion. That's what Jesus said. Notice this. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, your heart will always be. Everybody say it. Your heart will always be where your treasure is, which means if your treasure isn't for God, if your treasure isn't for the kingdom, then that's not where your heart is. And so if you want to fall deeper in love with Jesus, I'm just telling you, be a giver because the more you surrender to him, the more you fall in love with him. This is the principle that Jesus is really trying to see. So Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And he recognizes the quickest way to get your heart is for you to give him your money. Okay. Thanks. So watch this. Let's, uh, we're going we're to keep running through this. So the tithe, I got to say this, the tithe might be a word you're unfamiliar with. If you're new to church, newer to church, maybe you've been in church your whole life and you've heard the word. The word tithe literally means a tenth. It's the first 10%. When God blesses you, the tithe is the Lord's. 10% belongs to him. More practically, it means the first and the best. Everybody say it at all our campuses. It's the first and it's the best. So when we are tithers, we're giving God the first, not the last, not what's left over, not after you pay all your bills and after you pay all your streaming services. I got to pay for Hulu and Netflix and Disney and HBO Max and, and Showtime. And I got to pay for my Spotify and my Apple TV. And if I got something left over, I might give it. God doesn't get your worst and your leftover. God gets the first and the, that's the tithe. That's the time. This is a really important thing to hear. Tithing is not giving God what belongs to you. You're not bringing God, God, I have this and I'm going to give you some. That's not what tithing is. It's all his. So tithing is returning to God what already belongs to him. I'm not giving God something. I'm bringing back to God what already belongs to him. What do we bring back? 
First 10%, the first and the, one more time, the first and the best. And when you get into the conversation of, of tithing, what you find is, uh, and a lot of times, I love TikTok. Anybody love TikTok too much? Yeah, pray for me, Lord Jesus. I can burn some time on TikTok. Here's the problem. And there's things on there like my golf game is not getting any better, but I feel better watching how to golf TikTok videos. And here's what I found is there's, there's a lot of biblical, scriptural, spiritual conversations happening on TikTok. And can I just challenge you, if you are on social media, do not allow a 30-second TikTok video to either wreck your faith or build your faith. Just because someone came on and gave you this little thing and now you're out on Jesus, you're, man, our culture, we're going to talk about this in this next series, our culture is going through this thing, man, where we are just, man, we're just tearing down our faith. A lot of people are really having a hard time. And I have found that there's lots of conversations on TikTok and other social media platforms that people will give a 30-second viewpoint on, hey, why Christians don't have to tithe. And what they say is tithing is the Old Testament. And pastor, we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We are New Testament. We are New Covenant Christians. The difference is the Old Covenant was that we followed God's law. Our sin was covered by sacrificing animals. In the New Covenant, Jesus came to be the final sacrifice for all of us. We don't have to sacrifice anything. Jesus was the final sacrifice for all sin for all time. Come on, is anybody thankful for that? But if you're like, hey, pastor, like you're talking about tithing, like we don't have to tithe because we're a New Testament Christian. Let me say two things to that. First of all, while tithing was a part of the law, it wasn't just part of the law. Tithing existed before the law. The law, God's standard for his people, was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Uh, 600 years before that, Abraham was a tither. The tithe was before the law. Watch this in Genesis 14. It says, then Abraham gave Melchizedek, who was a type of Christ, a tenth. What did he give him? Of all the goods he had recovered. 500 years before the law, Jacob was a tither. Here's another verse. Watch this. It says, y'all have to forgive me. This, this stuff gets really small and my eyes are getting old. And the memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So what you find is that tithing wasn't just a part of the old covenant. It was a part of being God's people. And I would say this as well. If you are in this, in this house and you're like, hey, I don't have to tithe because tithing was Old Testament and I'm a New Testament believer. The bar doesn't go down in the New Testament. The bar goes up. Let me give you a couple examples. In the Old Testament, the bar was don't kill anybody. Thou shalt not murder. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you've heard it say don't commit murder. I say if you even hate somebody in your heart, you've already committed murder. Bar didn't go down. The bar went up. Love. In the Old Testament, God says, love your neighbor. Well, it was all the Jews living around Jews who looked like them, sounded like them, voted like them, worshiped like them. You get in the New Testament and Jesus says, hey, love your neighbor. That includes people who don't look like you, act like you, behave like you, dress like you, vote like you, look like you, have skin color like you. In fact, Jesus said true love doesn't just love people like you, but it loves your enemies, loves those who hate you, loves those who persecute you. The bar doesn't go up or down. The bar goes and giving. You want to talk about giving? Hey, I don't want to be an Old Testament believer. Well, the Old Testament is only 10%. The New Testament is... 100%. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, lay down your life and come follow me. So I would just say, let's, let's just start on the entry level because that's what I believe tithing is. It's our entry level to start walking in generosity and bringing back to God what belongs to him. There's lots of reasons to do it. You get to experience obedience. You get to experience faith. 
You get to experience what it means to surrender your heart to God's word and God's principles. You get to experience growing and experiencing God's supernatural provision in your life, which I've experienced. Lots of you in this room and lots of you on our campuses. If you have been a tither in your life and you've experienced the goodness of God through it, can you just make some noise, wave your hand or something so we know we're not... God's faithful and God's good. And then you get to verse nine. So the tithe, when you don't tithe, God says, you're robbing me. When you don't do what I've called you to do, God says, you're stealing from me. I know that makes us feel uncomfortable. And then he says this to make you feel really uncomfortable. And that's not my job. But I want to read this first, and I just want to give some context to it. God says this. He says, verse, uh, verse nine, for you are under a curse, for the whole nation has been cheating me. Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably heard this verse and pastors will weigh on this and you're cursed and God's gonna break your stuff if you don't give. I just want you to know something. The curse is Old Testament. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that in the New Testament, as putting our faith in Jesus, that Jesus became a curse for us. We don't carry any of the curse. Jesus carried the curse of shame, of guilt, of sin and disobedience. So we don't have to carry that, which means you don't have to give anything and you can still have a right relationship with Jesus. But while there's no cursing in the New Testament, you better believe there is still blessing in the New Testament. That when we tithe and when we honor God with the first and with the best, I believe with all of my heart, the curse he's talking about isn't God like shooting lightning bolts out of his fingers at you. I think what God is saying is that there is a place of covering that you can walk in if you walk in obedience. And if you choose not to, that's your choice, but you cannot experience the life that Jesus came to bring us unless you choose to live life God's way. So imagine for a second, it's raining. I know that's hard here in Alabama. Imagine it's raining and I have an umbrella that I can own, an umbrella that's big enough for all of us. And for some reason, you're out here standing under the rain complaining because you're getting wet. Man, I'm getting wet. And I'm like, come on underneath the umbrella. This is what God is saying. God is saying, not that you're cursed, that he's breaking your stuff and he's cursing you, but God says you will never experience his best until you give your best. And that's coming underneath the covering of his word and ultimately the principle of being a tither and a giver. Come and experience it. If you're taking notes, robbing, robbing God creates a deficit for us, not for God. We experience the deficit, not God. God isn't up in heaven like, man, it's Sunday. Anybody run out of money before you run out of week? Yep. You're like, I just can't wait for payday. God is not in heaven like, it's Sunday. We made it, angels. You got bills due, man. I hope they give. God doesn't need your money. God is not waiting for your money. If you choose not to give, you're not hurting God. We are the ones who are experiencing the lack of really walking in the blessing of learning obedience, of walking in faith, of experiencing God's provision, of living surrender to God's word, of watching God show up in our life and keep his promises. The area of giving is the number one area I believe that I've heard the most testimonies about in 30 years of ministry. People who decided to get on the train and start being tithers and givers are people that said, man, I just, we started tithing and God showed up. We started tithing and God met our need. We started tithing. We don't know how we was gonna afford it, but man, we started tithing. We got a raise, we got a promotion. And I'm not saying if you tithe, God's gonna send checks in the mail, but he might, because I've heard it happen over and over. What I'm telling you is that it's still a test of faith. If you're just gonna give and God's always gonna give back more than you give, that's not really, that doesn't take a lot of trust. The promise is he'll bless you. And sometimes that's financial. Sometimes that's physical. And sometimes it's just a blessing in relationship. But at the end of the day, you will never experience God's best until you give God your 
best. So I want to go back into the Old Testament, all the way back where I think tithing started. Again, tithing was not Old Testament or Old Covenant. It was before the law. In fact, I think you'll find the principle of tithing, giving God the first and the best, giving God what? The first and the best, all the way back in Genesis. Check this out. God creates everything, Adam and Eve, they sin, they disobey. Uh, God boots them out of the garden, but they still multiply. The family starts to grow. The story picks up in Genesis chapter four. It says this. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. This is why you need to read a modern translation. Older translation says uh, Adam knew his wife. Much more personally than I understood the first time I read this, right? (laughs) Oh, he knew her like that. Okay. So Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she become pregnant. Some of you need to underline that. That's how that happens. That's why you have seven kids. You never knew. That's why. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve. It's biblical, man. You can point him to a verse. Here it is, baby. We got to obey the Lord. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I've produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd and Cain cultivated the ground. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. And it says, verse three, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of the crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And so here's the question that I want us to look at for just a few minutes is why did God accept Abel and reject Cain? Isn't that interesting? They brought offerings, right? Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. They both brought offerings. And after the offerings were given to God, the Bible says God accepted Abel and his offering and he rejected Cain and his offering. You look at that and you think, wait a minute, what's going on? And I want you to hear this. There is a right way to give that honors God. Let me say that again. There is a right way to give and honor God. Now, this is crazy because as people, we're independent. We like things our way. We want to do things our way. I hear people say things like this on a regular basis, like, hey, I don't need to be in church to worship God. Like, I love being out in nature, watching the sun. That's when I'm closest to God. And I would say, cool. Like, I love the outside too. The Bible says that the heavens declare the handiwork of the Lord, declare the glory of the Lord. So yeah, I think you can have an encounter with Jesus wherever you go because Jesus is with you wherever you go. But I don't think you get to worship God based on the way you want to worship him. I think we, got, we get to worship God the way he's called us to worship him. And he's called us not to go out in nature by ourselves, but he's called us to gather together as the body of Christ and worship him in song. Come on, everybody. We got to do it God's way. And so you'll find in this conversation that Cain, while he thought he was a giver, was doing it on his terms and his way. And if you want God's best, you have to do it God's way. And so watch this. Listen to this again. Verse three, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Some of his crops, it feels like, hey man, he's involved. At least he put something in. If you're hearing like, hey, at least I'm giving something, that was Cain. But then listen to how Abel, how the Bible describes how Abel gave in contrast to how Cain gave. Verse four, every voice, come on, read this one. Abel also brought a gift, the 
best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Notice that the Bible says, while Cain brought something, Cain just brought some of his crops. But Abel, he brought the first and he brought the best. This principle of tithing, that it's always our first and our best. It's not our last and it's not our leftovers. If you're going to be a tither, you bring God the first 10%, the first and the best. This principle is found throughout scripture. Let me just give you a couple of verses real quick. In Exodus, it says this, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord. Bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Here's another one in Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, wealth is different for everybody. If that's your $30,000 a year wealth or your $300,000 a year wealth or your $3 million a year wealth. A better way maybe to think about this word tithing is percentage giving. It's the first 10%. And it's the same sacrifice for everybody. People that have, gone, have been tithers for a long time, you'll know what I mean. When I first, I first started going to church, I dropped in a dollar just like everybody else. It felt like, well, I'm giving, I was a cane. Like, I feel like I'm, I mean, I'm giving something. And when I first started really becoming a tither and I was making, you know, working at a grocery store like $223 a week, $22 was a lot of money. $22, I only have $223 to pay my bills, put gas in my car. Well, when you get a raise and you advance in life and you get promotions, $20 out of $200 is a lot. $200 out of $2,000, that's a lot. And some of you who might make more, $20,000 out of $200,000, that's a lot. It's percentage giving. It's saying God's called all of us to live at the same level of sacrifice. You may not have the same level of giving, but it's the same level of obedience and sacrifice. That is the tithe. And again, notice this emphasis. The emphasis is on this idea that God wants us to bring the first and the best. Here's another one in Leviticus. It says, and all the tithe of the land, how much of the tithe? All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the, of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's and it's holy to the Lord. Imagine if you came over to my house, I invited you to dinner and I'm putting steaks on the grill. Now imagine if I come in and laid it out and my, my wife, she made baked beans and she made potato salad. She makes all this bread and we're all there and we're ready to eat. And I just jumped in line first and I just put whatever on my plate and you just got in line. Like at least I gave you a meal and you came to my house and I prepared it. Now imagine if you came to my house, everything happened the same. And I said, Hey, I was cooking the steaks. This one right here, man, this is the bet. There's not a lot of fat on it and it's cooked just the way. You in fact, why don't you go ahead and you go first, go ahead and get your plate and I'll come behind you. Do you see the difference? One of them, I gave you something, and the other one, I gave you the first and the best. You can give God something, and God rejects it, but God will accept your first and your best. And it's just a way that we honor God. It's a way that we position him to say, God, I honor you for all that you've done in my life and for all that you are. All that you've done and all that you are. Now, I want you to notice this next verse. It helps us to really see the difference. Verse four and verse five. It says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Notice again, the contrast between the two. They both brought an offering. One was rejected and one was accepted. And I believe with all of my heart, it's because Cain had just a bad attitude. He just brought something. I mean, he showed up, he did, he came, but he just brought like whatever. And his mindset is a lot of our mindset. Well, it's my money. I don't have to give anything. I believe Cain had this mindset. Cain was 
a farmer. This is my ground. I'm the one who had to go out and till the ground. I'm the one who had to plant the seed. I'm the one who had to harvest the fruit. It's all mine. But Abel, he had a mindset that we all have. It's not mine. God, it's yours. God, I wouldn't even have a lamb to give you if it wasn't for you. God, I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't even have a feed to give my lamb if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't even have property to put my lamb on if it wasn't for you. Everything we have comes from God. God, I, come on, if you're here and you got money in the bank, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars, it's because God has blessed you and he stewarded you with the opportunity to love him with the stuff he's put in your care. It's all his. If you have breath in your lungs, he put it there. If you got a job to go to, he gave it to you. If you got strength to show up to the job, it's because he blessed you with it. If your car started, it's because he gave it to you. It's because you, he showed up because you got a roof over your head. It's all his. And when we give, we're not giving him his. We're giving back to him what already belongs to him. It's his. We're just honoring God with the tithe. We want to put God first. And the way we do it is with the first and the best. Are you honoring God? in your finances. I recognize the tension because I've been where you are. I've recognized the struggle to wonder, can I afford to do it? I've wondered with the issues, do I need to do it? And there's something that happens in your spiritual journey when you cross over that threshold and you say, this is what God's called me to. And I'm gonna live a life. And when I live life his way, I'm gonna experience it on his terms. And that's God's blessing is for his presence to show up in your life and be everything that you need him to be. And you can only live there when you put yourself in that place. And part of the way we do that is through tithing and through giving. If you're taking notes, God is my provider and I'm his steward. It's his money, I'm only his manager. It's his money and I'm only his manager. I just wanna do it his way. When Sean and I, when we were dating, um, she lived probably like 10 minutes from my house. And where I worked, I worked at a grocery store for like five years. And a lot of times I would find a reason to sneak down and see her after work. And uh, one of the things I would do is, one of the things she loves and still loves today, she loves Coke Ices. And so there was a Burger King on the way home. So every now and then I would stop and get her a Coke Icy. And I'd just knock on her door. Hey, baby, it's me. And I don't know if she's more happy to see me with a Coke Icy, but I didn't care. And, uh, and I'd give her a Coke Icy. We had these little ice cream pies that would go on sale. And she liked those. When they go on sale, I'd buy her some and take it down. I was just trying to get a smooch out of her. That's all I was trying to get. <laughs> but listen, if, and still today, I try to do things for my wife and her coffee keeps changing. Like she, and I'm, so I'll just be honest, sometimes I forget what she wants. Well, I just don't go buy her whatever. I want to take her what honors her. I can take her whatever I want. And then my mindset could be, well, you ought to be thankful I know you like Coke Icy's, but I brought you a Mountain Dew. You wouldn't even have a Mountain Dew Icy if I didn't bring it to you. You ought to be thankful. And that's some of our mindset of the way we bring to God. Well, you ought to be thankful I gave you something. God. And God's saying, wait a minute. I deserve the place of honor in your life. And if you honor me, if you honor, for, honor your girlfriend enough to bring you the right Icy, you ought to honor me enough to bring me the right offering. Come on, somebody. And so we're going to do it God's way because it brings God honor. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in this house. So somebody's getting your tithe. You can only do two things with the tithe. You can either return it or you can steal it. You can only do two things with your tithe. You can bring it to God or you can steal it. So watch this. He goes on, verse six. Cain gets rejected. God rejects his offering, which again, is because he refused to do it God's way. He says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? I would ask all of you the same question. It's because people get funny when you talk about money, but I, want, I don't want anything from you. I, I, really, I really want to see all of you in Lawrenceburg and Shoals, everybody watching online, I want you to experience living life on God's terms. Forget money just for a second. 
What do you think would happen? Not when it's easy, not when it feels good, if you love people the way God wanted you to. What do you think would happen if you treated people the way God wanted you to? What do you think would happen if you worship God, apart from money, the way God wanted you to? When I first started going to church, and I'm not saying you have to lift your hands to go to heaven, but I can show you scripture where part of worship is lifting your hands. Part of worship is opening your mouth. Well, I'm not really the singing type. Well, the Bible didn't ask you. <laughs> shout unto the Lord, all you people. Shout unto the Lord. Well, I'm not really a shout. Well, he didn't ask. He deserves a shout. He deserves a clap. He deserves a hand raise. So I'm just saying, like, I remember when I first started going to church, everybody, and I was like a Pentecostal church. Everybody raised their hands. I was like, this place is weird. First time I heard a message in tongues, I was like, that Mexican lady's really excited. That Hispanic lady really loves the Lord. She's so exuberant and loud. Well, I didn't know it was a message in tongues. And, you know, so I'm like, Ugh. And then like I was there and I started hearing about Jesus and hearing about how much he loved me and hearing, and I was like, worship started. And I started like, hey, I'm not lifting many higher than this, but like, hey. And then like a couple months later, I'm like up here, I'm shoulder level. And then I'm like, hey, now I don't have to lift, not the higher you lift your hands, the, higher, the more you love God, but you better believe for me is I learn to worship God and do it on his terms. Now, I'm not doing what's comfortable. I'm doing what he deserves. Giving money isn't what's comfortable. It's what he deserves. It's the place of honor that he has in our lives. If he's not first in your finances, he can't be first in your life. This is, this is not a manipulation. Every time I give this talk, every time we have this conversation, somebody steps up and they learn to be a tither. And every single time there's an incredible testimony behind it. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life by continuing to live life on your terms. Live life God's way and watch what he can do. Watch this, verse seven. He says, you will be accepted. I want you to hear that word. What does God tell Cain? He says, you will be Accepted. If you're taking notes, write that word down, underline that word. You will be accepted if you do what's right. Now, God again is saying, like, I want you to worship me on my terms, not on your terms. If there's a right way to do it, that means there has to be a wrong way to do it. Abel did it right because he brought the first and the best. Cain did it wrong because he brought what he wanted to bring. He brought just some of his crop. He goes on, he says this, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Notice again, God says, if you wanna be accepted. I wanna show you a New Testament verse. This is in the New Testament. The writer's looking all the way back to the Old Testament. And I want you to notice the contrast that they give between Cain and Abel. He says this, that it was by faith, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable. Everybody say more acceptable. Remember what God told Cain, you will be accepted. Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed approval of his gifts. So what made Abel's gift so special? The Bible describes it as more acceptable than Cain. The word that's used there literally means more in quality or more in quantity. More in quality or more in quantity, which means Abel either brought more in quantity or more in quality. I think both because the Bible says he brought the first and the best. When you bring God the last of the leftovers, it doesn't honor him. It doesn't honor him any more than it would honor anybody else in your life. But when you walk in obedience, it sets you up to experience God and to be a part of something so incredible, more important than politics, 
more important than hospitals, more important than St. Jude's, more important than any charity and any 501c3 that you can imagine. When you give, you are part of the gospel going global. You are part of this message of hope spreading around the world. So at the end of the day, God doesn't need your money, but he'll use your money to change this world. And we get to be a part of it by taking just 10% of what he's given us and giving it back to him. And God will use it in a significant way, not just around us, but in our lives. I want all that God has for me. We can't experience it until we do it God's way. So here's the challenge. God deserves the first and the best. So here's the challenge. Malachi ends this conversation and he says this. This is an incredible promise. Many of you have heard it before. I want us to say it together and we'll get ready to close. God says this through Malachi, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Every voice, all of our campuses, if you're home online, let's read this out loud. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Now you're here and you've heard everything I have to say. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. I got other obligations. I got other commitments. Listen, God is blessing you. Get on board and be a tither and a giver. Bring the first and the best to God. God, is this the only place in scripture that he says, try me, put me to the test. I'll do what I said I'll do. You don't believe me? Try it. And so we started doing something about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. We don't do it every year, but we've done it four or five years. It's called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. It's cheesy. I admit it. It's gimmicky. I admit it. But the goal of the 90-Day Tithe Challenge is because I so fervently, passionately, and personally believe in the principle of the tithe that we're willing to back it up because God said he'll back it up. So here's the challenge. If you're in this room, you're in Lawrenceburg Shoals or watching online, and you are not currently a tither, and if you're not bringing the first and the best, you are not a tither. I love you. Jesus loves you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to spend eternity together, but you're not a tither. And if you want to come underneath the umbrella of God's blessing, be a tither. If you're having a hard time getting there, here's the challenge. Is today, if you'll make a commitment to tithe for 90 days, to tithe. So you got to tithe because the only way you're going to experience is to do it God's way. If you'll tithe for 90 days, at the end of 90 days, if you say, God didn't do what he said he's gonna do. Pastor, everything you said, I don't buy it. It was the worst 90 days of my life. We will give you back every penny you gave in those 90 days. You literally have nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. So if you wanna take the 90-day challenge, which I would encourage you to do, a couple ways you can do it. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card that looks like this. Everybody grab it and just humor me. If you got one, grab it, hold it up. Grab it, hold it up. I'm waiting, everybody, every campus, grab it, hold it up. I'm waiting, some of you giving me, some of you mean mugging me. Some of you still looking dejected. It's like a Holy Ghost in there. Woo, y'all feel the wind blowing. (laughs) Revival. Here's all you got to do is a couple options to do this is you can take this card. There are instructions on one side. I would encourage you to read that, know what you're signing up for. Uh, On the back side is just a really simple calculator. If you're not sure how to do 10%, we show you what 10% looks like. But on the bottom of this card, which this is perforated, if you want to take the 90-day tie challenge, you don't have to put the amount if that makes you uncomfortable. It's just accountability. Here's what I'm gonna bring because this is the tithe. But I need you to fill out your name and this other information. And it's just saying, hey, pastor, I'm on board. I'm gonna take a step of faith. I'm gonna try God and I'm gonna do life his way. You can do it analog through a card, tear it off and drop it in a bucket on the way out at all of our campuses. Or you can do it digitally online. Go to, go to faith.com uh, slash 90 day. And there's a digital option where you can sign up as well. Take the step. 
You have nothing to lose. You literally have nothing to lose. But you got a lot to gain for your faith to be stretched so your obedience can shine through, so you can be part of something so much bigger than yourself, so you can position yourself in the place that God wants you. And he says, try me. See if I'll not open up the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, you'll not have room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now trust the Lord, he's gonna do that for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I truly pray that every person would be inspired to know that God, those who are already tithers are part of something so great It's a part of their spiritual journey, God, to position themselves financially. We Father, for those in this room, those at our campuses who maybe are struggling, maybe never heard the tithe, Lord, I pray, God, that you would move them just to be obedient. This is a great step for them to take in their spiritual journey. So Father, I pray, God, you challenge us. That God, people won't follow me, they'll follow you. And Lord, I pray, God, I know you'll keep your promise. Lord, show up in their lives as they do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Again, leave a car before you go. Take the step or you can do it online. God bless you guys, man. Thanks for being here.